The Supreme Court will be hearing two big cases next week on gun control and abortion. So Twitter, get ready to rumble. Should be a tweet storm coming. A fan in Tampa gave back a football to Tom Brady that was worth over $500,000. Finally, something good has happened to poor Tom Brady. I mean, what a rough life. I'm, I'm glad that this average Joe fan gave Tom Brady a half a million dollars just so Tom can have another meaningless trophy on his trophy case. We'll unpack all of these stories and more, including the fact that I am now 23-12 and 12 in my football picks this year. Yeah, that's right. A little humble brag, self-promoting going on. But we'll unpack all of these in this week's debriefing of the law. Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law and Courtroom Quarterback. I am Joel Oster. I am Chris Marone. Hey, Chris, welcome back this week. And it's, it's we have a lot to talk about this week. It's been a very oh interesting week. A lot of things have happened. But how is life down there in Arizona? You know what? It's like 60 degrees right now at 835, so everything is perfect. It's a Bones Day. We're having a wonderful, wonderful week. Last night, we did a, a nice little trunk or treat with our church group, just made for good feelings like it was pre-COVID all over. It was wonderful. This is the time of year when you can flaunt it because you got it. We are very jealous of you. The weather here has turned. It is nasty. Ooh. It is bad. It is raining. It is cold. It is miserable. And I still got to mow my lawn one more time. But Chris, I have a bone to pick with you. <laughs> I texted you several weeks ago about a, a golf v retreat vacation uh, spot there in Scottsdale. I've yet to hear back from you. So guess I what, Chris? I dropped the ball. No, you I'm not writing it down ball. right now. It's going we'll on my calendar place. right now to get you something. I, Man, I'm a bad friend. <laughs> Gosh. Hey, my brother and I, we want to go golfing in the middle of winter. And so Scottsdale, we're looking at Scottsdale. It's just an easy flight in and out. We're also thinking Vegas might be a nice location. Hopefully a lot of cheap hotels there and a lot of nice golf courses. Anywhere we can, we want to fly that morning, get up in the middle of February, get up, fly out, and have a tea time by noon. That's our goal. And so I think we can do that there in Scottsdale. But you hold the key. So, hey. It's been a great week. How is your um? How is life out there in um? Uh, where a Super Bowl is going to be pending in your future? We've experienced that the last several years here in Kansas City. Now we are on the hey, what, how high a draft pick can we get? And you guys are <laughs> eyeing the Super Bowl. It's a beautiful thing, but it's a little worrisome right now because I don't know if you saw, but JJ Watts out for the rest of the season with knee surgery. Oh, I knew that was coming. You knew that right. was coming, right? Right. Every right, right. year he is the best defender in the NFL. Boom. Next week he's out for the year. Yeah. hundred percent. So we're eyeing the Super Bowl. We're feeling, we're cautiously optimistic this week. We're going up against green Bay, which we could talk about in courtroom quarterbacks. Cause I have thoughts, but huge you know, game. It's a, it's a good feeling, man. It is good. I mean, coming off of the Diamondbacks' horrendous 51-and-a-half game behind finish for the baseball <laughs> right. season, which was the worst in the league. Like, we're feeling bad about that, but feeling good about, like, the Suns are playing again. We got the Cardinals are doing well. It's a good time to be a sports fan in Arizona, let me tell you. Hey, Chris, I just Googled it. I think your Diamondbacks are already mathematically eliminated from the 2022 playoff hunt. I, I'm not sure. The season hasn't 100%. started, but I think math mathematically you've been eliminated. 
I don't know if you've noticed, but um, it's the Chase Ballpark is now a Spirit Halloween store. So but, hey, it's better use more fans yeah. there. Yeah, that's we're that's, gonna get more people there looking for fake blood and plastic machetes than we ever did watching baseball. What a horrible, horrible segue to our next topic. I want to go over some headlines in the news. Yeah, now we're going to talk about laundry. I guess laundry's body was discovered this last week, ending the manhunt. Of course, the whole murder where he killed his fiance. I believe they're in allegedly. Wyoming. Uh, allegedly, yes. Uh, and so, uh, hey, we don't want. Thank you for being my lawyer here. Allegedly, uh, he is now. Uh, he went there. He. And the reason I want to talk about this. This is in the news. And Chris, I know this is a big deal to you. We've talked about this uh, pre-podcast. People are often quick to rush to judgment. And the rush to judgment here was his parents must be horrible people. They were harboring a fugitive and helping him escape. And now you realize they just lost their son as well. And it's it's a horrible time for the parents. Well, we live in a a society now where people want to just judge. Right? They want to look at you and be like, we you're a horrible it. parent because your kid's an alleged murderer. And it's like, you know what? I, you, you could have two kids. Look at my brother and I. My brother and I are raised in the same household, same mom, same opportunity, same everything. My brother went off, went to the Navy. He's He now works in a box factory, um, driving a forklift. And I went like college, law school, like white collar, the whole nine yards. We're diametrically opposed politically. We have a lot of different beliefs about a lot of different things. But we were raised in the same house. If my brother tomorrow is accused of murder, that's not a reflection of my mom. It's a reflection of him. Right, right, and, right, right. Exactly. Right. And uh, his parents did the right thing. They stayed quiet when people were like, oh, tell us, why, why is your son a murderer? Why is your son a murderer? Look, why don't you, like, go ask the son why he's, oh, that's right, he's dead. So we don't know if he's a murderer. So wow. cool your if jets, your family- Karen. If your family gets together for Thanksgiving this year, there'll be an interesting conversation if they listen to this podcast. But hey, who have oh, you yeah. thought of murdering this year? Uh, I have no one on my schedule, but no, uh, seriously, this is a is a <laughs> exactly. horrible deal for the parents. They are th- their parents lost their their uh, future in law. Right, their son is going to marry right. this person. They probably loved her. Uh, they lived with her 100%. with that family, and so I know how we feel about our future, you know, uh, um, daughter-in-law. And, and so they lost her. And then they realized, it allegedly, probably was their son that did it. And then they lost their son. A horrible mm-hmm. time to be the parents. So maybe we should stop prejudging them and act like they were harboring a fugitive. They were probably just doing the best they could to get right. by one day to the next in an absolute nightmare of a situation for all involved. All right. Also headline news was the Supreme Court is back in session. And uh, back this again. next week, well, they, uh, they will be back in session next week. Already this month, they have worked a total of five days. So that's about enough for them. We don't want to overtax this octogenarian group, but right. they you are. Know, we don't like old gonna... people working a lot, man. They're old. They're frail. Come on. Some of them have that's COVID. Right. Kavanaugh had COVID. So we got to be careful. It's just the youngins, right? He probably wasn't mm-hmm. taking the say, the precautions. That's what it's all. It's always the young people here who are who are most at fault. Well, nonetheless, they are going to be back <laughs> in argument session next week, hearing oral arguments, and they are going to hear a couple big ones. Now we're not going to go into biggies. these in detail. We're going to say that for next week, but I do want to just mention them in passing and see if you have any thoughts on it. The first one is a Second Amendment case, the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin. This deals with a New York law that said right. you, know, you have a Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms for, for self-defense. We get that. But 
to what extent, and according to the New York legislature, this uh, over 100-year law says in order for you to get a gun for self-defense, you have to show proper cause first. And just because you want a gun for self-defense is not a proper cause. And so my response to that is, apparently the, these legislators don't understand self-defense, right? And I don't know how uh, right. things work there in New York, but I'm guessing the muggers there don't have a separate mugging ethic that they have in other parts of the world. <laughs> if you're in the middle of a mugging, you can't then ask the mugger, hey, hold on a second. I have to go file for this permit. Now I have proper cause to defend myself. And so just hold off on this mugging. I'll be right back. I'm guessing that's not how mugging works there in New York, but these are the issues the court is going to take up this week. Chris, do you have any thoughts on this case? There's a couple things that 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 stick out to me. One, the case is a hundred or the, the law in New York is a hundred years old. So full pause, what was going on in New York in the 1920s, right? This was probably some reactionary law that the legislature passed. And I don't know the legislative history. I'm just off cuff here, right? Right, right. Uh, you know, prohibition was coming out. New York was a hotbed for speakeasies. They're probably trying to pass a law saying that it made it easier for police to raid speakeasies. Because let's be honest, the legislature has always tried to figure out ways to subvert rights so that way police can go in and do the things that they want to get done. Okay. So I'm I'm assuming, and this is again, this could be an ignorance, and somebody in your comment section is going to point out how stupid I am, and I'm I'm here for this. Um, they probably set up this laws to make it easier to bust, you know, beer barons or rum runners or prohibition like people flaunting that in in that manner. And and we've we've talked this previously podcasts. I'm a, I'm a fairly liberal Democrat, and I and I I have a lot of feelings about guns, but I also have a lot of feelings about home protection, and that's one of the the areas where I look at and I'm like, if I purchase a gun for home protection, I don't need anybody's permission. I don't need a special permit. Now, if I want to carry an AK-47 fully loaded to an Arby's, that's a different discussion. Right. But but in exactly. my house. I, I personally, Chris Marone, I have a gun safe in my house. In my house, there are guns in that gun safe. There's ammunitions in that gun safe. I did not need permission from the Arizona state government. And even when I lived in California and had them, the California government, which is a whole nother ball of gun right discussions, to have that gun in my house. So I think the Chris, law is is wholly outdated. And I think Chris, the Supremes think are going to knock it down super quick. Chris, I, I don't think you realize what you just did there, but I think you just surrendered your liberal card. I, I'm not sure you can say I'm a liberal Democrat and I have guns in my house, but nonetheless, hey, you know what? It, it's your bed. You made it. You got to sleep in it. But that's an interesting uh, uh, take on this case. The Supreme Court's going to argue it next week, so we'll be back next week to unpack what they thought about these kind of arguments and because uh, there's a lot of good arguments on both sides of, of that there case. Is. All right, but I, I like your thought on as to the proper cause requirement uh, before you get a permit, I think you you nailed it on the head, and I just I, I like your take on that one. All right. Also next week, the court's going to take up the Texas abortion case. Now this is an interesting case because of the unique posture that this that exists with this case. So Texas passed this law that prohibited most abortions after I think it's the. The, the, the six-week period, six some very short period of time. Yep. And, uh, but here was a unique thing about this. I think it was after um, the, the heartbeat. But here's the unique thing about this law. The government can't enforce it. Instead, they allowed for citizens to enforce Vigilantes. this law. 
and private, uh, you know, uh, uh, private attorney generals, if you will. You could you could sue anyone who was involved in the abortion or aided and abetting in the abortion. The state can't, but private citizens can. So that's yeah. gonna be the court is gonna take up that unique issue, not necessarily abortion, but right. privatizing private citizens to enforce the state law. Now, Chris, this got me thinking. Where else can we do this? I mean, because uh, you know what? If this is going to set precedent for me to prosecute that guy driving in the passing lane who is right. not even going the speed limit, oh my Chris, God. I'm all for it. Well, I I love that, right? The 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 guy going 35 and a 45, and you're like, nope, we're gonna do some vigilante justice. I'm gonna pit move you off the uh, the roadway here, and then I'm gonna hold citizens arrest and take you to jail. My is that mind- little bump and grind. That is a little bum and grind. That's how we do it here in Arizona. But my mind Uh now went to the people who like freak out in department stores. Okay. That start screaming at retail staff that they're stealing. Right. Or that they're not giving them proper service or pick your poison of whatever the person is screaming about at a retail worker for. Like right. you messed up my you messed up my order. You did this purposely with malicious intent. You're stealing from me. I'm arresting you now. Interesting. Well, you know like, that the court. Dominoes. I can tell you how the I can tell you how the court's going to work. The court loves its hypotheticals. So you know, this week yeah. the courts can come up with all different kinds of crazy scenarios where this sure. law might lead to a very absurd end. Your call is the something to do with department stores. They're going to come up with a hypothetical thing with department <laughs> yeah. stores. My call is going to be, my prediction is going to be on the road. But no matter what, if you are an old guy like myself, you know what I'm talking about. Andy Griffith, the Mayberry Show. I love that show. <laughs> Barney Fife awesome. was known for saying, citizens arrest, a citizens, citizens arrest. arrest. If there is one reference to that. I'm doing a mic drop moment. I'm going to shout that out the top of my lungs, maybe run around the, na- the 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 neighborhood in my birthday suit. I don't know, but that is what I am looking for in that case. Maybe that's what we should bet on this week, whether or not that comes up. <laughs> Rather than football, I mean, football aside, we should put money on what hypotheticals are going to come up with the Supreme Court. Look, just because you are now getting walloped by myself in the uh, the, the sports picks, does not mean we're going to change uh, approach. Now, I'm just kidding. I, I like that idea, but nonetheless, um, all right, let's move on, yeah, because we're doing the headlines. Alec Baldwin's shooting. Uh, yeah, obviously, you you heard about this. Yep. It's big time in the news. Yep. And I, if I'm not mistaken, Chris, you told me you used to work in the prosecutor's office. Is that right? No, public defense. Opposite side of the equation. Wow, how yes. did I mess that up? All right, well, now I'm really interested to hear what you have to say uh, about right. the thing. You, you have a, you'll have an interesting take on this. Um, this is, I, I was kind of shocked to realize that on these movie sets, they use real guns. I don't yeah. know. I just assume Hollywood has these huge budgets. In my mind, I'm not realizing, wait a second, if I'm actually on a movie set and they have a real gun in my hand, not a fake mm-hmm. gun, the look a real gun and I'm pointing it at someone and pulling the trigger. Wow. I mean that you can't just excuse that away and say, Oh, look, my, my prop hand didn't do the, their job. You're the one holding the real gun. Right. Is there going to be criminal liability here? 
Well, there's actually precedent for not having criminal liability for okay. for this type of action. In um, the movie The Crow with Brandon Lee, who was the son of Bruce Lee, he was shot and killed by a prop gun on set by one of the extras who thought the gun was unloaded and a prop gun, and there was no criminal charges brought against him because it was simply an accident. All the guns, similar to what happened here, were all checked. They were all cleared as cold, and they... They weren't. They had a live round. I also, we need to have a discussion of why the F are live rounds on a movie set. Like, there's a lot of, like, systematic things we need to examine. If you're going to use real guns, which I get, whatever. Like, why is there live rounds? Why don't you have a right. gun safe that has just the guns that are real guns we're going to use in props, and then the guns that are real guns? And why are they on a movie set? Why are real guns making it onto a movie set? I'm not understanding oh. that part. Well, oh, I can tell you, if point. I was the one, if I was the one in charge of that prop gun, I would have been at my house emptying it, getting a Q-tip, and running it through the different chambers. Right. I have no idea if you can do that in a gun, but I'd be so paranoid right. if I'm dealing with a real gun. I would right. need my bullets at home in a safe, then get in my car, check it again, and then go get a rental car where I switch cars and then drive to the scene. Right. I just can't imagine. If you actually have a real gun in your possession, you know it's going to be pointed at another person and be fired. Right. If you would absolutely do your your work and then then some to make sure there's not a real right. bullet anywhere on the scene. All right, but but talk us through what would be the different criminal liabilities? Because obviously this is not going to be first degree murder. No one intended right. for no. this to happen. Nonetheless, is there not criminal culpability here when you have negligence and you're dealing with such things as mm -hmm. a weapon? There's a couple things. There could be a couple routes going in here. Now, this is New Mexico, so they they could I could I could tell you from a California perspective because that's where I practice. So I don't know if they're going to line up perfectly to what New Mexico. But you could have a manslaughter right um, discussion because that's negligent, right? That'll get you to the level of, of murder right. two. Um, you could have you could have accomplice liabilities for everyone who touched the gun including Alec Baldwin for, for doing the shooting. Um, you could have, I mean, you could just have a negligent homicide, which would get you 10 to 12 with parole and eight. Um, there's a lot of levels here that, that could go. They could just chalk it up to it being an unfortunate accident and everybody walks away. Now, let's say it's that. Cause I don't think this is wanton disregard for, for human mm -hmm. life because right. I'm guessing they're going to say this is industry standard. Everyone does this. We have done this now our entire right. careers up to this point. It's never gone awry. And so therefore, right. like, like obviously Baldwin's going to say, I have done prop guns before aimed it and fired right. it relied on the people who handed it to me. I've, this has always been with the way we have done things and right. it's always professional. Worked, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so it's going to probably have to be the lowest rec reckless or right. negligent standard. Uh, might they bring charges on that standard? I mean, if they went for too much, I think the jury would say no. But if they went for a real, real small claim, uh, you know, right. th may maybe this is a case where that's better resolved with monetary payment. That's I don't exactly know. That's exactly what's going to happen. They're going to, they're not going to bring criminal charges against Alec Baldwin. They're not going to bring criminal charges against, um, the the prop handler that's being blamed for this what they're going to do is the studio is probably going to give the guy's family who passed away a couple million two three four five million dollars and they're going to pay for the director who also got shot all of his medical expenses um and um probably drop him a couple million as well and it's a part of their insurance right they were hurt on the job so, so here's it's not really going to come out of the studio's pocket it's going to come out of the insurance provider's pocket 
Here's a thought. Would you see that movie? If they produce the movie and you know that there's a scene in there or at least mm-hmm. a storyline in there where the person was shot and killed, I assume they're going to take that scene out. Um, I don't even know if the cameras are actually running when right. that happened. I'm guessing it's not. I think he just took it out was kind of messing with it when it went off. But nonetheless, um, would you see that movie? Should they go ahead and produce that movie? Mm, I don't know. It's a tough it's a tough, it's one. A tough one. I'll tell you what happened. Am I, I going to see the movie? He, I, what's that? I might. I might see it when it's in syndication. Like if it gets to like HBO Max or something. I don't know if okay. I'd go to the theater. Well, I let's let's pause for a second. I wouldn't go to the theater to see Alec Baldwin in anything. Ah, that was your struggle. I got you. That makes so, sense now. Like, I, You're saying, I, I, Joe, I I'm not like, going to see an Alec Baldwin movie. Right. I just, I'm not going to go. He's not my cup of tea. Like, he's not, he's not my, my, my jam. Now, Let's say it would. Let's say it happened on the set of like an MCU movie, right? Okay. Let's take it out of context. It happened on the set of an MCU movie. I would still go see the MCU movie in the theater because I enjoy that. I feel sad for the the person that has happened, and you know it, it is a sad situation. Anytime there's a loss of life, it's a sad situation that all of this happened. I feel there could have been different manners in which people could have prepped it differently or been more responsible. Obviously I wasn't there so I can, I can armchair quarterback that all day, but I would go see an MCU movie still in the theater. Alec Baldwin, you're going to have a rough time getting me to a theater too. That, that does make sense. Now this is not without precedent. I'm thinking of the fast and furious movie, mm-hmm. uh, way back when the person died in a car crash. Right. Um, and they still made the movie and produced the movie and I still watched it. Mm-hmm. There yep. was a, a, th- a water theme park just down the road from where I live, where is a horrible, horrible accident where a kid who was probably, well, he was a very, very small kid, was on this water ride, which is a very dangerous water ride. But it was touted across America, if not the world, as being the dangerous water slide (laughs) in the world. And this person went down on it and got decapitated because of the lack of whatever, however it was designed, his weight, all those factors came into play. And horrible, horrible scene, obviously. And they right. shut the whole water park down. It has never reopened after yeah. that. Uh, and so they, they took out that slide. Actually, they took out that slide, and uh, the water park is now is now gone. All right, well, we will obviously sting. Uh, we will pay attention to the Baldwin shooting. Will there be criminal uh, you know, indictments right. that are brought criminal down? Stuff. We will stay on top of that. I love that music. It's a little bit of rock and roll. That's why every week I like to hear it uh, being played. Uh, And so, all right, Chris, let's start off with, uh, uh, we have a lot of very interesting legal issues in the world of sports this week. That's why I wanted to jump right in. Let's start with what I found to be a very interesting uh, issue, and that is Tom Brady's 600th TD pass catch. Uh, Were you aware of Tom Brady? was throwing is for a 600th TD pass? No, actually I wasn't, but then all the news around it happened and then everybody knew. Tom Brady people was the only one who like, knew Tom Brady was throwing for a 600 pass. And people say it's like an incredible accomplishment, but I did the math and Chris 600 career TD passes. 
that only averages out to per season of like two. It's not really that good of a deal, but whatever. <laughs> He's been around a long time. 600, a good deal. But here's the deal. Mike Evans, the receiver who caught it, he yep. catches the touchdown pass. He is so excited, he runs over to the stands and hands it to a Bucks fan sitting in the front row of Raymond and James Stadium, who I believe yep. was wearing a Mike Evans jersey. I had no totally idea is. they made Mike Evans jerseys, but apparently they did. And so here, let's just pause this story right here. Chris, based <laughs> upon what you just heard, that this receiver caught a, a, a football Gave it to someone in the stands. Now, they say possession is nine-tenths of the law. Yes. Who does the football belong to right then? The kid in the stands. Why do you say that? Because Mike Evans gave it to him. Mike, there is a tradition in the NFL to throw balls into the stands or give them to fans after they're done, and they never get asked for them back. That's part of the game, right? Okay, it, hold on it, a second there. I like what you just said, tradition, because my mind first went to, well, Mike Evans doesn't own the football. So right. if I have a, a an object or whatever, and somehow it, it gets mm -hmm. into your hands, that doesn't mean you right. own it. It's still mine. I have not transferred title to you, but you brought up this idea of tradition that that is how things are normally done. So you're but saying based upon I the would tradition- argue I would argue that you don't need to transfer title on certain chattels, right? Like I don't, if I sell you my, my magic eight ball sitting on my desk right here, or if I give you my magic eight ball, the act of giving is the transfer of title. I don't need to have a written contract to, well, to, true, to sell, but to, right. I can just say here, this is yours. Take it. Even if it's, true. even if it's, you know, someone else's from the office here, yours, but let me give you a couple it. scenarios to okay, cast some doubt this. onto that. Let's do this. Three, a couple scenarios to cast some doubt on that. Let's say I am throwing football catch with my son. The ball yep. then the neighbor comes over and right. uh, and then he picks it up, throws a. He doesn't now possess my football. That's still my football just because it mm -hmm. it dropped out of my son's hands. He had didn't have the, the best of hands in that for that catch, or I threw it a little off. The neighbor picks mm -hmm. it up. It doesn't belong to the neighbor. It's still my football. And more right. importantly, if if my neighbor then picks it up and hands it to his neighbor, so here, you can have this. Well, no, right. you, you can't give it away. That's my right. football. So, yes, I know you possessed it, but you can't give away something you don't have. And so, Chris, does that change your thought? Well, your intent was never to give the neighbor your football. Mike Evans' intent is to give the football to the fans. Okay. All right, so it was the intent to deliver possession. We have that. And you mentioned tradition. This is how the NFL right. has always done it. Whenever football does go into the stands, they allow that person in the stands to keep that ball. And so that is with their blessing. So I, I like that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm with you here now. Uh, that's why this is a little, this is kind of similar to the baseball game where the ball goes right. into the stands. You get to keep it or a tennis match. I right. just watched a tennis match. Um, I was that one in Cincinnati. The ball went into the stands. You got to keep it uh, here. The person then possessed this football. Now, Chris, it has been suggested by some that this football was worth over a half a million dollars. Oh, my gosh, yes. A half a million dollars for that football. Right. Wow. Well, no. Okay, so I now, just did a quick Google search, just putting it out there. You actually get fined every time you give away a football at a football game. Oh, you do? According to the NFL and the NFL Players Association's collective bargaining agreement on on-field code of conduct for all players, there is a designed schedule of fines and infractions for giving away footballs in the field, like throwing it, handing it, 
kicking it. All these scenarios are covered in the NFLPA's collective bargaining agreement, and okay. players can get fined for giving away football. So technically, the football isn't theirs to get away, and it's against the rules to do so. Or, or I'll, I'll take a different spin on it because we're all lawyers. They yep. can give it away. The NFL realizes that. Them. That's why they're penalizing you money for going through the act. Because they realize once you right. give it away, we can't they get can't that get back. back. And so we're going to yep. fine you for it. it the, the, the important fact that the lawyers want to know in discovery is what has the NFL done in those cases? Have they gone to the person and said, you owe us that football back? Give it back. Or does the NFL let them keep the football? I think that would be dispositive on this issue. Right. Very much so. And I think the NFL lets them keep the football. I can't, it would be a, in my mind, it would be a horrible PR stunt. Right. If the NFL came back, this billion dollar industry comes back and goes, Hey bro, I'm going to need that, uh, that football back. I'm going <laughs> right, to, right. well, and you think about it. Um, what was it? It was Reggie Jackson when he was playing for the New York Yankees hit like three or four home runs in a world series game. And he only got three of the four balls back. And Reggie Jackson talks about it to this day about how he wished he could have got that ball back. But the fan right. held out and said, no, you're not getting this ball. Like this is a piece of history that I'm going to keep. And he had no legal research recourse to get that ball back. So let me just ask it to you. Then. Let's just make a hypothetical that this ball Go. is worth a half a million dollars. It's in your right. possession. Now my possession. The NFL players all make millions and millions of dollars, right? They, they don't need right. this football. It's not worth anything to them. I mean, there's some, you know, sentimental value there. I get it. Tom Brady's thrown for three, you know, 600 touchdown passes, whatever. That means he has 599 other footballs that he's thrown touchdown passes with. Does he really right. need a 600? That's not going to be his last. I mean, I wish it was, but it's not going to be. Uh, so would you get that football back? I mean, this could be life-changing money for this person. What is the right thing? People say, oh, the right thing to do is to give it back. Why is that the right thing? It's not. It's the pressure thing, right? We, wanna, we want Tom Brady to feel comfortable with his millions of dollars and several Super Bowl rings. We want to make sure that Tom Brady feels good about his 600. It's not the right thing to do. The right thing and the American thing to do is to profit off of it. <laughs> That's right. right. Exactly. Well, let's talk That's about that. Lottery. Here's what happened. Here's what happened to Tom Brady. Uh, you know, he did say on Monday Night Football that, yeah, the dude should not have given him back. He lost all leverage when he did that. There, He was joking around with the Mannings when he said that. Uh, but the reality is uh, Tom Brady then gave him a one Bitcoin, which was trading at for $62,000 as of Monday oh night. Gosh. I believe Brady and his wife, they have an equity stake in a, a, a cryptocurrency company, FTX. Yep. And so he gave yep. him one Bitcoin. So he, he got $63,000 plus the Bucks on Monday said they were going to give this person two signed jerseys and a helmet from Brady, eight signed yep. Evans jersey. I'm guessing the signed jerseys for Brady would be worth a little bit more than the signed Evans jersey. <laughs> they are, of course. Uh, Evans game clades a $1,000 credit at their team store and two season passes for the remainder of this season as well as the next season. So he did get a lot of money. It's not mm -hmm. a half a million. But Chris, I want to throw one other idea by you. I am not sure the football is actually worth a half a million. I, I have been told that... When you have these, these like the baseball, like, oh, this is the 600 baseball, or, or Hank Aaron hit this baseball. The right. reason why those things are valuable is there's a certificate of authenticity that goes with that yes. merchandise. 
Well, here, if he had not given the football back, there would have been no certificate of authenticity attached to that football. So could he have really sold it himself for a half a million dollars? I'm not so sure on that. Uh, but nonetheless, um, that is a interesting story. I, I'm I mean, not there's sure enough I pictures. There's enough pictures of the football going to Mike Evans and then Mike Evans handing the football to the guy. So that may right. be providence enough to get some asinine sports collect like some boston sports collector that's got way too much money that wants tom brady's ball would probably pay a half a million for it just based off the three pictures of that you're right in fact there would be a picture with that football in the case of evans right. handing him the football so there'd yeah. be pictures of it they'd probably get some reputable company out there that certifies things and they would yeah, then yeah, certify yeah. this as being authentic uh, authentic so you're right he gave up probably over $400,000. I'm not sure that's the right thing. I know if I talk to certain people that say, you know, Joel, the right things to give it back to Tom Brady. I don't know why that's the right thing. Tom Brady has enough money. All right. Right. Let's go on to our next topic. The healthcare scam. Here's what happened. Oh, uh, several geez. NFL players, I think 15 now in total, and the number is always growing. So I think the latest number I saw was 15, have yep. now pled guilty to this healthcare scam. And what uh, these, some of these players who have pled guilty were Clinton Portis. He was an incredible running back for the Denver Broncos and later the Washington yep. Redskins. Redskins, uh, uh, now the um, you know Washington football team. Uh, Tamerica yep. Vanover, what is an incredible returner for the Kansas City Chiefs, and then San Diego Chargers. Corell Buckhalter, who was yep. from my Nebraska Cornhuskers, played for Philadelphia, were some of the players. Well, they here's what the scam was. And so there was a Gene Upshaw NFL player health reimbursement account plan. It was created in 2006. And what these former NFL players could do is they could go and have certain health care expenses, right? I want this health care right. treatment for my injuries, maybe sustained from your days of playing the NFL. I don't know if yep. that's a, a requirement or if it's just generalized health expenses. But nonetheless, you submitted these expenses to this plan and it reimbursed up to, I believe, $350,000 per player. And so, per player per several, year. Okay, per year. So several of these players then created fake false healthcare expenses receipts submitted them for reimbursement got reimbursed and that was the scam and so i believe now they are starting to hand out sentences and so let me just tell you what the sentence was and chris i want to get your take on this Corell buckhalter got 10 months in prison hard time I don't know how, I, I guess it's in federal prison, so he might spend all 10 months in prison, uh, then yep. 10 months of house arrest. A any thoughts about this? It doesn't surprise me. White-collar crimes never solicit any sort of actual, quote-unquote, hard time. He'll probably okay. do, he'll probably, I mean, 10 months. I, I'd have to read the rest of the sentencing report, but I would be surprised if he actually serves the full 10 months with overcrowding and all that stuff going on. They'll probably kick him out in like 30 days or call it time served and add it to his house arrest stuff. But I, I mean, he defrauded the system for what? 2.93 million, something like that. Like, I think so. And I look, I, and I don't read anywhere, but I have to assume again, I'm going to get yelled at. You have to pay the money back, right? So almost always with these crimes, you have right, restitution you have as well. Right. So, you know, let's, 
this is going to be me going off on a tangent. Let's say that I defraud the system for $3 million. I take that $3 million and I don't know, invest it in hard money lending or commercial real estate and make 10 times that amount back over the last 12 to 15 years by which they were doing this. Great. I'll pay you back the $2 million, but I'm going to serve 20 months of quote unquote hard time, but I'm still going to have 15 million that I made off of it. Now I'm not saying these guys are the smartest guys in the world. That's just what I would have done if I was a a mastermind criminal, but I I don't know. I I look at stuff like this and I'm like, you could have done harsher sentences. You could have done less sentences, but it is what it is. Chris, I am so glad to hear you say that. I often have had that, had that thought in my mind as well. I, I always wondered, does this make me a bad person? What I'm talking about is I'm watching some TV show where a crime is being committed. And in my mind, I'm saying, Oh, you idiot. I would have done it much better. If I were going to do that crime, this is how I would have done it to avoid detection. Right. And I've often wondered, am I like a criminal mastermind? Just I've yet to act on it. I don't know. But at least I know I'm in good company with you. You have the same thoughts on how you can do these crimes better. Right. Hey, Chris, this is a side topic, uh, but uh, that is why under our legal ethical rules, we are not allowed to counsel clients how to, to commit things. crimes yeah. better because we do know right. better on how they can do right. these crimes so we are not allowed to use our knowledge in that way we both know lawyers do that but they're not supposed to it is an ethical violation all right moving yeah. on now to a topic i know you and i are just begging to get into chris you know what time it is is it roger goodell time it is time to rag on Roger Goodell. This is, maybe we should have this be a, a regular segment of our right, podcast. Right, we need to have theme music for this. Like, oh, let's do yeah. rag Roger. Let's do this. Get a get a theme song for this going. All right, I got to think of what this is for for the next time we talk about Roger Goodell. If mm-hmm. one comes up to your mind as we're talking about this, it has to be something that really encapsulates how much of a scoundrel he really is. And in this oh. case here, we're going to talk about. Really personifies what a scandal he is. Deflategate really proved it. Do you know how yeah. much money he makes per year running the NFL? It's got to be in the high six figures, right? Six, seven figures almost? Seven $40 figures? $40 million. Ah. $40 million. Wow, he's getting paid more, I believe, than Tom Brady. And so something is not right there. I don't think Roger Goodell's ever thrown one touchdown pass, let alone 600. But maybe what he did here is why he gets paid the big bucks. Here's what happened. There was an investigation into the Washington football team for their 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 uh their work environment. And apparently it was very mm-hmm. uh, hostile towards females. There's a lot of sexual harassment going on. That was the allegation. So the NFL said, hey, don't worry about this. Cheerleaders, we know you filed this report. You want us to investigate this. We will investigate it. And and so they have now concluded their investigation. They've reviewed all these thousands and thousands of documents and emails. We're going to talk about the John Gruden emails that came out of that investigation. But Chris, now Roger Goodell this last week has said our investigation has now concluded. And do you know what they found? Nothing. Yeah, we don't know. Here's what Roger Goodell said. Roger Goodell said, we're not going to tell you anything. We're not going to release any information, any uh, of our findings, our reports. Nope. We want to not release this information to protect the people who filed the complaint in the first place. Their anonymity. To which they said, uh, we're calling BS. We never asked to be anonymous. We want to know what you found out. Chris, does this shock you that Roger Goodell did this huge investigation of the Washington football team and we are now going to know nothing about that investigation? 
No, because Roger Goodell always plays good old boy football. That's what he always... Roger Goodell is always, always, always going to pull a press stunt. Every time. Right? We see it with... I mean, let's take it back. Let's take... Do you remember his little press stunt that he pulled... Right when coronavirus started and he slashed his 40 million salary to zero dollars to be more philanthropic after making 40 million dollars for the past 10 years. Homie, you have 400 million dollars. You shouldn't be making any money at the NFL. Okay, you're good. Like, don't give me this like holier than thou idea that somehow you are the 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 savior of the NFL because you're going to give up 40 million a year for coronavirus relief. And then he does the, the go ahead. As you pointed out earlier to me, the NFL is a not-profit organization. And, and so apparently they're paying their CEO $40 million of this yep. non-profit organization. Uh, I wish I could not make profit like that. Right, right. The NFL is a $15 billion a year, according to the last reports in like 2019, 2020. $15 billion a year, non-profit. Cool. Nonprofit. I checked it out non-profit. and still they are a nonprofit. Apparently they have said we're gonna give up our tax exempt status, but still it is a nonprofit. And so that is right. absolutely ridiculous. He makes forty mm-hmm. million dollars. Now what he said was, and I quote, we are very cautious and making sure that we're protecting those who came forward. They were incredibly yeah. brave, incredibly open, and we respect the pain that they probably went through all over again to come forward. So that yeah. was a very high priority for us, to which yeah. I say BS. BS. Sorry, Roger. I'm calling BS on that statement. That is not what is going on here. You are trying to protect the Washington football team. I actually think he's trying to protect himself on this one because he has no problem letting people letting people out to dry. But I bet you dollars to all the money in my pockets right now, and it's payday today, so there's some money in my pockets for once. Um, Goodell is somehow implemented. Like these whistleblowers went to Goodell and he ignored them or they went okay. through the, the NFLPA or they went through whatever process was there and they were completely ignored. And the process turned out to be absolute crap. I am going right, to put right. all my money on that and it's going to blow back on Goodell being unable to actually advocate for these people that are being sexually harassed, that are that uh, wow. a hostile work environment is going to be there. I guarantee that it implements because he they said it right. Thousands of documents, hundreds of thousands of emails, the same level that they gave to Gruden's, you know, email scandal. Right. It implements it, Goodell and he won't release it. So somewhere in there will be some emails from Roger Goodell. So he does not want those out there. Right. That would not surprise me. Well, as to his statement that he was trying to protect the women who filed the claim, Lisa right. Banks, an attorney representing the cheerleaders, who was the the the, the, the who's right. behind this investigation, she said, uh, "Yeah, no, I'm calling nope. BS on that one as well." Right. Roger, I'm not sure she called him Roger, but I will. She said, "My clients did not ask the NFL for protection when they participated in the investigation. They asked for transparency." Transparency and right. accountability and received neither. And neither. so Roger, you are now called Roger the Dodger. Actually, no, we're not going to do that. That's actually an affectionate name for Roger Stallback. So I'm not going to uh, misuse <laughs> that name, but he definitely dodged uh, probably a, a negative email leak. So the only thing we got from the Washington football team investigation 
right. is the John Gruden email leak, which the NFL is saying we didn't do it. It's like, oh, no, you're you, lying. You, you did. You're the only ones that Absolutely had the lying. emails. Of course you did this. And you did it, you know, in, in pieces just to maximize its effect. Was that a smokescreen? So people say, oh, at least we got John Gruden. I don't know. But that is interesting that no further information will be released. All right. Shocking. Any other takes on that? Shocking that no further information is going to be released on that. I am, I am shocked and appalled. I, I'm clutching my pearls over here in shock. <laughs> that no further, no future information. You, you did not see that one coming. In other words, no, no. Stevie yeah, Wonder right. saw that one coming. Come on. I could, I can see your tongue in your cheek from a thousand miles away. <laughs> and so, yes, clearly, um, a Roger, that's why he gets paid $40 right. million. And here's why Chris, he can get away with it. He, right? he Every can time. get away with what he Every did in Deflategate. He can get away with this. He can get away with Spygate because of this. We right. all love our NFL. We love a football. Right. And so he realizes this is going to be the news cycle for about 24 hours, maybe. And right. then guess what? The NFL is going to play next week, and that's all we're going to care about. How is our right. team doing? How is you know the right. Patrick Mahomes doing? Have they stopped their interceptions? And so the NFL is so popular. The product is so good. This news cycle will come and go, and we won't care about it in two weeks from now. We'll just care about will our team make the playoffs so he can get right. away with this because the product mm-hmm. is so good. It's too easy all for right. him. And he's good at Let's this, Let's move right? over now. He What's wouldn't be again? the commissioner of he wouldn't be the commissioner of football if he wasn't good at burying bodies. Like at the end of the day, that is right. All right. Speaking of burying the bodies, let's now move over to our next topic: the Rams, uh, in the Los Angeles Rams. They moved from St. Louis to L.A. several years yep. ago. I think it was around 2016 when the decision was made. And yep. um, now you are are an L.A. fan, so I know this might be a little bit hit close to home. But they're scoundrels. I got to tell you, Chris, I cannot stand it when teams relocate. Maybe it's because I'm from a small market and I fear my teams one one of the days might be ripped out. But teams become worthwhile because fans care about them. We invest in the team as a fan base. And so here what happened was the L.A. Rams or the Rams were going to leave St. Louis because the NFL wanted a team in Los Angeles. Back so the NFL Angeles. wanted to rip this team from St. Louis and put them in Los Angeles. And so they came up with a study. Uh, maybe we can get the Chargers to come over here and things like that. Well, yep. in order to do that, you do know that someone's going to be probably breaking their lease, breaking their contract, things Correct. like that. When they leave a city, there will be lawsuits. And sure enough, a lawsuit was filed there uh, in in St. Louis. And so Rams and other owners, they're involved in a very fierce lawsuit from the St. Louis Regional Convention and Sports Complex Authority. They're arguing that the league broke its own relocation guidelines, misled the public on its plans to leave the city, and cost the city millions in revenue. Chris, I got to tell you, this lawsuit, to me, is beautiful. This lawsuit is being argued in St. Louis. Oh, I can't oh. wait for this trial. It's going to be amazing, I right? I cannot wait for this trial. Oh, I love it. They, yeah. You know what? The, the NFL and the, uh, the the Rams deserve whatever they get for relocating their team out of St. Louis uh, back to L.A. And, uh, and by the way, I know there's a huge history there. There used to be a St. Louis team, the Cardinals, which are now in your neck of the woods. And the yep. L.A. Rams were the L.A. Rams originally before they moved to St. Louis. So I do know everyone is guilty here a little bit. But nonetheless, Mm -hmm. here is why this is in the news now. The L.A. owner, Stan 
Krinky, I believe his name is. I'm probably yep. butchering it, but nonetheless, in order for the owners to approve this move from St. Louis to L.A., they anticipated legal challenges. And so he said, don't worry about that. If there's any legal challenge, I will mm-hmm. pay everyone's legal fees. Well, apparently he didn't mean it because now he is reneging nope. on that promise. And Take he's back. now telling the NFL, uh, or the other NFL owners, I don't want to pay your all's legal expenses, which are in the tens of millions of dollars. Any thoughts on this, Chris? Yeah, I love when a bunch of babies get together and fight over what's considered pocket change to them. <laughs> and somehow it makes headline news. Look, it's it's sixteen and a half million that St. Louis is suing for. Five minutes ago, we said the NFL makes fifteen billion dollars a year. Right, fifteen right. billion. So sixteen point five million dollars is like a percent, one single percent of what they make a year in football. Are they seeking punitives though in this as well? Oh, um, should be. They should I, ratchet I that up. I, I don't have the the the. Uh, the filings in front right. of me. I just have kind of the, the overview of the case. And if we'll they are seeking that. punitives, what what jury is going to award them punitive damage and in what amount? They're not going to get. Let's say they get punitives, right? And a jury comes back and says one billion dollars in punitives. What's the first thing those lawyers are going to do? Appeal a billion dollars in punitive damages. Right. So right, right. you could say, let's let's be generous. Let's say that a court finds and holds up four hundred million dollars, right? Let's say $400 million, punitive damages, that's fine. Fees and everything, $400 million that the NFL has to pay. NFL still at $15 billion in profit right. a year. Not in cost or operating costs, in profit. Take the hit. That's right. Just pay it Take off it. and move on. Because I get, I get really fired up, and, and, I, and I feel for the city of St. Louis because they do the same thing every city does, right? The teams come to town. They go, we need a taxpayer-funded arena. We need a, a bond initiative to come out so we can build this arena, which is going to build this huge tax base. We need to have all these tax bases, blah, 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 and the voters approve it. And then all of a sudden, they want to move cities because they can get a better thing in L.A., and right. so the voters are stuck with the bond initiatives. They're stuck with an arena that nobody's using. They're losing all the tax base from people traveling in or possibly having a Super Bowl, right, which brings a, a truck ton of money. So, yeah, they're, the people of St. Louis have been defrauded by how the St. Louis Rams have done it. The NFL needs to suck it up. They approved it. They approved the move. The owners approved the move, even though they approved it with, you know, however you pronounce his last name, the owner of the Rams, saying he'll cover the legal expenses. Look, y'all are on the hook for that. Right. We've all done wow. group projects where somebody hasn't held up their end, and we've all had to make more more time because of it. Chris, I have to say, I think you pegged this one. I thought I did a good job of relaying the facts, the legal issues, mm-hmm. and you just took me to task with your first opening statement, that these are a bunch of crybabies in a room. Billionaire right. crybabies. Who cares, right? You guys have enough money. Pay it right. out. Stop whining, you guys. You're making billions of dollars. Stop being a crybaby. Chris, I could not have said it better. That's why you're on this podcast. All right. <laughs> so now let's move over to the talk a little football. I mean, it is, I know this. we're already in courtroom quarterback. We have a ton of, of football legal news to talk about. But, Chris, we are almost to the halfway mark of this oh season gosh. i believe this is now week eight we're looking at and this is a 17 yeah. week season plus our our postseason for my kansas city chiefs it's looking like this might be a 
17-week season. I'm not sure we're going to make it. But nonetheless, uh, do you have any kind of thoughts as to the first half? I know next week will be the, the halfway mark. We'll actually give out halfway awards next week about the players. Ooh. But any kind of thoughts as to what you've experienced during the first half of this NFL season? Arizona is surprising, right? I did not think Arizona would be undefeated at this point. That's been the big shock for me. Undefeated. Undefeated at this point. Um, just, I can't, I can't even think like that's, that's the biggest, the biggest thing that always stands out for me. Um, the second is how bad the Niners are doing, right? Two and four. They are doing bad. Right. Two and four San Francisco 49ers. I had such great hopes, but then on the flip side, like Cleveland is coming out of nowhere and is yes. really, really good. You know, they're they're. I mean, I expected the Bills to be good, and and we claimed early on in the season. I thought the Rams are going to do great, and Tom Brady doing his thing. Nobody is surprised, right? But surprising right. are you know the the Browns and the yeah. You know, we were talking about it offline before this. Like a Cincinnati Arizona Super Bowl in L.A. isn't like out of the question anymore. Like that's yeah. a real thing that could happen, and though it would be amazing. Right, Cincinnati versus versus Arizona. Like nobody, whoever had that coming should you know should take over for Joe Buck in any capacity humanly possible. Hey, it just dawned on me when you said that. Do you know what is possible this year? I'm not saying it's likely, but it's possible. Right. You could have two teams playing a home game in the Super Bowl this year. The Chargers right. versus the Rams in their home stadium there in oh my L.A. Gosh. Right. And that would be the big flipping the bird there to St. Louis fans saying, look, we took your team away from you. We're having the Super Bowl here in our home stadium. Oh my that, that, is a real pos- that is a real possibility. Well, and, you know, if it happens, we called, we noted, we, we, we opined on it first here. That's kind of my favorite. And this is going to be a little off topic because it's kind of my favorite thing. Uh, everybody should know who listens to this podcast knows that I'm a huge baseball fan. I think it's hilarious that the MLB moved the all-star game out of Georgia because of their their disagreement with the voting rights and moved it to Colorado. So the Atlanta Braves threw them the bird and said, fine, we'll just play the world series here. Oh, that is that you're right. I that was such poetic justice. The major league baseball organization was so flippantly hypocritical when they did that. It's like, what you're, you're taking the game away away from mm-hmm. Georgia and all the millions of dollars that they will make because of their voting procedures. When you're headquartered in New York, that has more stringent voting procedures. Come on. And then they move it to Colorado, which again had more stricter voting procedures than Georgia. So what are you trying to prove major league baseball? Obviously this is some political stunt you're trying to do. I hate it when they do blatant, hypocritical political stunts and you're right the 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 brace flipped in the big old bird by saying now we're gonna have four games here in atlanta during the world series and so a bit yeah uh you said it really well so, it's called flipping the bird right all right so i would love so, to see a st louis super bowl in l or i would love to see the la rams take on the la chargers in la and and then that would just strengthen in my opinion that would strengthen the case of st louis saying look you took this team, you didn't pay our fees, and you went to a Super Bowl, so we missed out on all right. of this. So that's the damages that you have now done. That's going to add into punitive damages. I am just wondering if a big storyline for the rest of this year won't be 
the Patriots. I, I just have to wonder if if they're starting to turn things around and they're starting to look better. They got a rookie quarterback who now is on the yep. second half of the season. Uh, yep. So again, I don't want to go too far into this. I know we're not prepared. Next week we're going to do our half season awards right. and predictions. We're just kind of you know just surmising into what might happen. So let's segue here now to our picks for this upcoming week. And so right now I, last week I was three and two. Ooh. And so I, I, I missed out on four and one by half a point. I called a game really well, but I was just half a point away from, and it really hurt me, but I was still three and two for the season. I am 23, 12 and one, which means I'm 11 games over 500. I Good start you. with $500. I'm now at 610. My man. Little kitties, do not bet, do not gamble. It's a bad thing. Uh, you will lose your money. And that is why, Chris, you were two and three last week, and now your season record is 19 and 16. So you're at $530, still making a little bit of change. Uh, you can still afford a nice dinner on the town. But nonetheless, uh, what are your picks this week? All right. So I got a couple controversial picks, which. We'll see. I'm like, I'm playing with fake money at this point. Uh, Arizona's taking on Green Bay. I have to mention that right. game because it's going to be the game of the week, in my opinion. And a lot of people are going to talk about it, right? Green Bay with their record, Arizona being undefeated. Um, the odds makers are showing that Arizona are going to win by at least six. Okay. I disagree. The pack is going to win. All right. I'm taking Packers over Arizona. For this game, not for any specific reason other than Aaron Rodgers has been on fire the last couple games. The Packers are congealing. Uh, J.J. Watt, you know, the Arizona defense has always been uh, a major player for for their victories. They they do very well. They're, they're good on both sides of the ball. So I think that the pack is just going to be too much for them. Aaron Rodgers without J.J. Watt, I think the pack's going to win. I don't, I don't know what the game's going to look like. I don't know if it's going to be a blowout or a close game, but I just got a feeling that the Packers are going to take it. All right. I like that. I got uh, the Niners are playing Chicago. So SF at Chicago. Niners are 3.5 to win. I'm going to take the Niners, and I'm going to take the – they're going to cover the spread. They're going to win by, okay. by four or more. Um, and then Jags at Seahawks, right? No Russell Wilson. The Seahawks are favored for 3.5. I'm going to take the Jaguars. I really am. That is, I'm really good. That's a fascinating take, one. I am. I'm going to take the Jack. I'm going to watch that game really closely though. And I'm going to be biting I, my nails the entire time. I stayed away from that one because I am now learning about the Seahawks that they really are a one man team, Russell Wilson. And I've yet yeah. to really kind of get a feel for them now that Russell Wilson is down and out. And so yeah. until he gets back, I still know what that team looks like, but I was tempted by that one because are the Jags now kind of figuring things out? They, they're they playing a little bit better. Urban Meyer finally got his win. Uh, you know, but they're right. playing a team now that does not have their quarterback. And so is this going to be a transitional game for the Jags? You are taking the Jags in this game. I'm going to take the Jags. And then okay. lastly, Cowboys and Vikings. And I, I actually, I wanted to look into this a little bit more. Every odds maker shows that the Cowboys are the favored by 2.5. Right, But in that same breath, the guys that I go to, Bleacher Report, CBS Sports, are picking the Vikings to win, even though the Cowboys are favored. So I'm going to go with the Bleacher Report. No plug to them, but they're just the ones that I go to quite often to look at odds. And I'm going to say the Vikings are going to beat the Cowboys. 
Okay. Yeah, it's your pick. This could be the Vikings over the Cowboys. Yeah. So you have four games there. You want to stick with four, or do you have a fifth one you're thinking about? You can you can stick with four if you want to. Four is four it is. All right, all right. My picks for this week, and uh, my first one is interesting. It's the same one that you picked. So we we both hit on the same cylinders here. I am taking the Packers. My spread that I saw, so I'm going to give you this one as well, is plus six and a half over the Cardinals. So I'm, I'm taking the Packers plus six and a half. So in other words, the Cardinals are favored by six and a half points. I can't believe that these are still the Packers. And it's right. going to be a Thursday night game. So by the time this airs, right. On Friday, we'll already know. So the listeners, you will know we're either smart or we're idiots. I don't know. Actually, I do know which, which side I fall on. But um, a little bit of both. I'm going to take the Packers as well. I just think the Packers are are playing well. They're figuring things out. The Cardinals are due a letdown, and so I think yeah. it's going to be this game. I'm taking the Packers plus six and a half. All right, uh, and then I also have, now this is an unusual usual game for me to pick, but the Eagles and the Lions. Mm. I am going to take the Eagles minus three and a half, and the reason why Ooh. is I think the Lions are just so dreadfully awful. I, I just don't think they have things figured out yet. And the Eagles have the remnants of a good, strong team there, and so I'm going to take the Eagles over the Lions. Uh, I also had the Cowboys and the Vikings, uh, but I picked the Cowboys to cover their one. And I had a one-and-a-half-point spread here. The, the Cowboys covering against the Vikings. So you and I are at odds on that one. Lastly, I am going to take... The Chiefs. And I know this is my heart speaking. I should not be doing this. This is a dumb pick. This is where you lose money, kiddies, kiddos, because you don't bet Mm -hmm. with your heart. The Giants are a nine and a half point underdog here. This is going to be a Monday night game. It's going to be here in Kansas City. And I just have to hope. I know the Chiefs have it in them. I know Andy Reid is an offensive genius. He is a guru. This is a Monday night game. Patrick Mahomes was dreadfully awful last week. Here's a problem. We can go up by 17, right, late, and the Giants score a meaningless touchdown at the end, and they might cover this 9.5-point yeah. spread. So I, I get that. I get the danger. But I'm going to take the Chiefs minus the 9.5. I want to do a, a fifth one, and so I'm going to go ahead and let you pick my fifth one. Do you want to do that? Are you ready? I'm going to give you two options here. Good. Are you ready? Okay. The Steelers Browns. The, the Browns are a Ooh. three and a half point favorite. And so I they like are. the Steelers. I think the Steelers kind of figure things out late. So I am leaning towards going for the Steelers here plus the three and a half points. Or, or this one, the Bucks are a five and a half point favorite over the Saints. The Saints Bucks game was last year in the playoffs. The Saints beat right. the Bucks twice last year during the regular season. And now they're almost a touchdown underdog in this game. So I'm wanting to pick the Saints in that game to cover. So which game do you like better? The Saints uh, over uh, over the Bucks or Steelers over the Browns? Man, that's hard. Because I feel like Cleveland is on a roll. Okay. So I'm going to go with the Saints. You don't like that game. I'm going to go with the Saints. I'm going to go with the Saints over the Bucks. I'm going to pick that Saints in as my fifth pick there. Uh, And and so I kind of agree with you on the Steelers-Browns. I I do know this, that the coach of the Steelers figures it out at some point in time during the season. I still know this will be the week that he figures it out. 
right? It might be um, next week or two weeks from now. I don't know. And so I'm going to go ahead and take the Saints to cover uh, with the Bucks. All right, there you go. That is our courtroom quarterback session for this week. The Supreme Court is going to be in session next week. Next week, you and I are going to unpack what the Supreme Court talked about in the landmark Second Amendment case and also the Texas abortion case. And we're going give to uh, give out our halfway season awards and storylines next week uh, during our podcast. So, hey, Chris, have a great week. Any parting thoughts before we, we head out? Man, I'm just really looking forward to the Supreme Court next week. Uh, football, great and all, but I really want to see how these arguments pan out and what hypotheticals right. they're going to use against these gun arguments. It's going to be hilarious. All right, let's do it. Let's, let's unpack those hypotheticals next week. Have a great week. See you then. See you then. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a mess Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do, Brooke Bolin for spreading the good word about us, and Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Triplicity Marketing for our technical and computer support. Mm-hmm.